0: Hey everyone, it's Mike Huber, founder and CEO of the Freshman Foundation. Every high school athlete gets excited about finally arriving on campus. Becoming a collegiate athlete is the ultimate reward for all the sacrifices you've made for 10 plus years to get to this point. However, ask any athlete what it was like to make the leap to collegiate athletics, and they will tell you it is hard. And not only on the field, in private moments, High school student-athletes might ask themselves, am I truly ready to make the leap to college? The parents might ask, is my child truly ready to handle life on their own in college? It is absolutely normal to ask these questions. However, that doesn't make you feel any better if you don't have the answers. What if you had a playbook to help you answer these questions before you arrive on campus? The Freshman Foundation Digital Playbook helps high school athletes be ready to dominate the leap to collegiate athletics. The Freshman Foundation is an interactive digital resource to help you prepare to answer the hard questions before you get to college. Your investment in the Freshman Foundation playbook will help you avoid giving away your first year of college and will help your parents avoid losing sleep at night. Visit michaelvhuber.com backslash course to learn how you can be ready to dominate the leap to collegiate athletics. Now let's get on to the podcast. Welcome to the Freshman Foundation podcast, helping you make the jump from high school athletics to the collegiate level and beyond with your host, Michael Huber. How is David Lamb making a difference in the lives of young basketball players? Welcome to the Freshman Foundation Podcast, where we help young athletes be ready for every next step in the game of life through mental performance coaching. My guest in this episode is David Lamb, a basketball trainer based in Jersey City, New Jersey. David serves basketball athletes at all levels, including professional hoopers. However, David's primary focus is helping middle and high school athletes develop themselves in order to maximize their abilities on the court. David shares how he grew his training business from scratch and how he helps young basketball players improve the technical, mental, and emotional components of their game through hands-on instruction. I'm excited for this conversation. Let's build your foundation with David Lamb. Hey, David, how's it going, man?
1: Doing well, Mike. How are you?
0: Good, good. It's good to see you again.
1: Yeah, likewise, likewise.
0: So for those of you who are listening, David and I have a mutual client, um, basketball player who's in high school, uh, and we had the chance to meet recently at at one of his games and got to talking. And so, you know, knowing a little bit about what I know about David, I wanted to have him onto the podcast because I think he's got some great experiences to share. So we're just going to, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. So I guess the first question I have, David, is, is what inspired you to get into basketball training?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, just like any other uh, kid who had aspirations of playing at the highest level possible, um, you know, playing myself since I was nine years old, um, you know, basketball's been a big part of my life for the last, you know, almost two decades. And um, any chance you have to be around it as much as possible, and, you know, especially when you get the chance to be able to help and uh, affect young lives too, um, I think that was kind of like a big uh, preter- uh, predetermining thing for me, just kind of getting mm-hmm. into it. Um, and, you know, just the more I've been able to be a part of that process, just transitioning from player to, um, you know, coach, I think that, you know, I've been able to develop some skills that I think have really helped out, uh, players who I see a lot of my younger self in. So, you know, it's extremely gratifying to be able to, uh, help these guys and girls just be able to, you know, get a step closer to the goals.
0: I really appreciate that. And I think we have a lot in common in that respect, even though we do some things that, you know, from a, from a substance standpoint are a little bit different, but we have the same objective. Um, so I'm curious was, ha, were there any experiences that you had as a player with coaches that sort of have informed the way that you teach and coach players?
1: Yeah, I think that there have been numerous influences. Um, you know, I think that just with anything, you know, you have certain, uh, people in your life who come in and show you, you know, what you want out of a coach and certain people who probably show you what you don't want out of a coach. And mm-hmm. I think um, that along with the experience and just people I've met, uh, mentors and all that good stuff that I've met after I kind of began my training career, um, you know, all that's kind of molded me to, you know, what I, you know, the experience and uh, expertise that I have now.
0: Okay. So where where are you from, David?
1: Originally from Philly, uh, moved over to a small town in South Jersey, just like 15 minutes away. Um, and I've been in the North-, North Jersey area for the last seven years training.
0: Okay. Did yeah. you start training in North Jersey or did you start down in the Philly area?
1: Yeah. So uh no, I started in North Jersey. So this was actually towards the end of when I was in college. Uh, I okay. transferred to Montclair State University um spring of twenty sixteen, I wanna say. Mm-hmm. And the goal was to try to walk on the basketball team the following year. I'd still had uh, you know, those hoop dreams, just still chasing uh, chasing those hoop dreams. And as I transferred over, I kind of had the idea that I wanted to uh get into basketball training i started to you know look a little more into business stuff like that and uh you know it really intrigued me but at that six months if you will from when i transferred into you know ultimately when that time co- that time came to uh go trials and stuff like that you know something just switched in me where i just kind of realized that uh the love for the game of you know in terms of playing it just wasn't there as much and you know as that fire, as that love grew for training and went to grow myself in that aspect. I just decided that, you know, it was time to just dive full uh, full force into that.
0: Yeah. I mean, as somebody who's kind of had that experience of, of transitioning into a new career and leaving things behind, you know, that could be really, that could be really challenging. It sounds like your purpose was to go out and coach and teach and help people and that you were willing to sort of move on from the game, which I think a lot of athletes who leave their sport, um, they don't always have that thing to look forward to so it sounds like you kind of got the bug for starting your own business and then sort of building that which obviously you've done um how did how did you get your first client then like how did you get started
1: my first client i think that it was i mean when you're first starting off a business i'm sure you know mike like you're doing anything everything possible to get your name out there especially not being from this area like i'm i had no ties previously to north jersey at all so you Mm -hmm. know what i was a you know a thousand point score or all American or all stare or whatever um, something that I can kind of hang my head on in terms of playing athletes so it really was just you know reaching out to different people, volunteering um, you know social posts, just trying to you know do whatever I could to just be able to get my name out there you know just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what
0: sticks <laughs> yes i can I can definitely relate to that but i I think something you said there is really interesting uh and important, right because I think one of the the things that attracts athletes to coaches is their athletic background, right? their history. Did they play at a high level, or like, do they have name recognition? But I think you know, I certainly know this because I, I didn't play at the college level, but I, I certainly know this now, is that just because you are a good player, doesn't mean you you can be a good coach right being able to teach and instruct and have young people listen and respect and trust you goes beyond your playing experience but is that was that something that was a barrier for you when you were getting into training like hey I don't really have like a highly recognizable background in basketball that people were questioning that
1: quite honestly like it very well could have um and you know Maybe, you know, in some closed-door conversations, that might have been a hindrance to, mm-hmm. to me earlier on. But I think I was just so focused on, you know, just trying to crack my foot in the door. I just, You know, when you, when you start off in that grinding phase, uh, that grinding stage, like, you know, for me at least, I tried not to put too much uh, thought process into things that could have went wrong um, or, you know, things that were just a hindrance to me. Um, you know, the conversation that we had, you know, a few days ago, which I'm sure we'll allude to later – um, you know, just controlling what you can control. And for mm-hmm. me, that was just like, all right, like, who am I reaching out to today? Um, you know, just, you know, follow, just finding random kids who I feel like I could help on, you know, social media, just reaching out to them, their parents, coaches. Um, so that was a lot, you know, that was definitely where more of my efforts were focused rather than, you know, things that, you know, ultimately I couldn't control.
0: That's, that's excellent. I love that. Um, so what, what ages do you work with?
1: Um, at this point now, I'm predominantly middle school through pros and pretty much everything in between, but predominantly middle school and high school.
0: Okay. Was it, was it always that way or has it evolved over time?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, my, uh, going back, I don't even, I didn't even answer the initial question, but, uh, my first client ever was a, you know, a referral. Um, I was coaching with, uh, the New Jersey Roadrunners, uh, which is a local AAU team Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they practice out of this, uh, Jewish, I was kind of like a Jewish YMCA type of deal, like a Jewish community center. And, uh, you know, my man, Larry, uh, shout out to Larry. He was uh, you know, awesome and uh, helped me out in my initial growing phases. He uh, he referred me my first client who was a seven-year-old uh, Jewish girl who had probably never touched a basketball in her life before. Um, and that was kind of, you know, that demographic was where I started off with, um, just like younger kids, again, just, you know, uh, get your foot in the door however possible. And you no, know, ultimately I kind of grew out of that phase and uh, you know, now working with the demographic I'm working with now.
0: Okay. Awesome. So I, I know that's a wide range because I, I have the same demographic, right? I'm generally working with kids who are twelve to say twenty-two with a couple of exceptions, you know, younger and older, a couple of of pros or soon to be pros, but mainly high school and college. So I, I know this is a general question, but like what would you say is the biggest challenge you face in teaching basketball players
1: as a as just a general thing
0: yeah just generally
1: yeah i would say the biggest thing is um helping players just not get in their own way i think that a lot of players have a certain preconceived notion of you know what development is um whether you know And it's on both sides of the spectrum where you have certain players who um, don't necessarily have, you know, a care for, uh, you know, attention and detail. um, And they kind of just want to go out there, have fun and kind of, you know, do their thing and just kind of work the whole like work hard thing will get you far enough. Um, And then you have other players who are on the other side of the spectrum who probably are a little bit too detail oriented, who focus a little bit too much on the minutia. And that kind of takes away from, you know, the ability just to be able to stay present and have fun with the game, obviously, which is the most important thing. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think the biggest thing is just being able to meet clients where they are, uh, meet these players where they are in terms of uh, where their mental state is and just be able to kind of pull them back to, you know, at least what I feel is a, in an optimal mindset um, and just help balance them out.
0: Do you Do you have criteria or at this point, having been maybe almost 10 years into your work, like are there clients that you like uh, characteristics that you look for when you take on a client or the things that you kind of look at and say, Hey, I don't, I don't want to work with this client. Or are you pretty much open to anybody?
1: I just think that you have to be, you know, ready to be coached. I think that's just the biggest thing. Um, You know, whether if it's a player that's a little bit too young, for example, um, me- maybe they're very eager to be coached and everything like that. But my philosophy is, and that's a big reason why I don't really work with younger players as much. Um, I'm just big on like, if you're, you know, especially 10 years old and younger, I know there are definitely some exceptions, but I think that, that's just when you continue to develop your love for the game, you know uh the last thing I wanna do is come in and you know be the source of you know pressure or mm-hmm. things like that. you know I think that you know that's a big time of your or stage of your career your development where you just need to focus on loving the game, develop some core fundamentals, and I think that you know there are tons of people who can help out with those aspects. I think that where I specialize in and where I can really help is just being able to identify the next steps of development and really be able to give a concrete plan. Um, and you know, that's, kind of, that's kind of dictated the, uh, the reason why I try to work with players who, you know, are slightly further along in their development. Um, but yeah, I think that ultimately just coach, I mean, players who are coachable, who are willing to learn and willing mm-hmm. to apply the things that, uh, we talk about, you know, that's obviously the, you know, the biggest and first step.
0: Okay. How, so then when you get a new client, like how do you assess where they're at? Like, how do you determine like, this is what they need? Like, what are the things you're looking at?
1: Yeah, it depends on the setting. Um, I don't take on as many private clients anymore. Um, I've kind of shifted, uh, mm-hmm. focus more towards small groups just so I can really help more players. And quite okay. honestly, I feel like they're probably more beneficial. Um, we we take our players through an assessment session. So uh, whether you know it's a one on one session, whether it's a small group session, mm-hmm. um, essentially the first couple of sessions are me evaluating them, just assessing them, seeing where they're at with um, all the manners of the game. You know all the different skill sets: shooting, ball handling, uh, finishing, and on. You know from a you know try to throw them in situations where I get to see where their IQ is at, uh, where, where their head is at um, when adversity hits, things like that. Just all try to take in as many different notes as possible. Um, And I'm sorry, I didn't even mention, but I try to have an onboarding or assessment call um, with them and their parents beforehand as well, just to really try to gauge, um, you know, what their motives are, Mm -hmm. get as much information as possible. And then same thing, you know, applies to, you know, when we get them in the gym, we try to assess them in person, just try to see, you know, where the things on the call, you know, how they kind of match up with the things that I'm seeing personally. And then from there, we just uh, try to put them on a plan of development that you know works best for them, and that you know consists of whatever one or two main focuses um, we feel they need to really, really, just hang their hat on for the next, say, three to five months, and then you know from there we'll reassess and just see what uh you know how far we've come and if it makes sense to move on to the next stage of development.
0: Okay, that, actually, you raise a really interesting point because because it's interesting because your intake and assessment is actually quite i mean we do th- different things and I work from behind a computer I'm not working on the basketball court a lot of times or on the field but you know the first step is usually meeting with the athlete and their parents and sometimes everybody's on the same page but sometimes I hear things from parents that are different than what come from the athlete which then requires me to sort of develop my own perspective because not everybody's on the same page do you have circumstances like that where you come in and you kind of hear different things or you are seeing things that are different than what you're hearing initially. And how do you, how do you deal with that in terms of just communication and and setting expectations?
1: Oh yeah. All the time. I mean, (laughs) players, you know, players, especially you're talking to, you know, a 15 year old, even 18 year old, you know, type of player, you know, still, you know, whether they've been playing basketball a long time or not, you know, they're still very young and, you know, a lot of times the self-awareness, in terms of, you know, things that they need to work on or just where they're at with the development process isn't fully there or at least the ability to articulate those things. You know, the same with the parents. Parents, you know, at best might have, you know, a general idea, but they're not the ones, you know, in all the workouts, the practices. You know, they just see kind of where, you know, players are at in games at best. And, you know, while the intentions obviously are there to, you know, give their kid, the, you know, the best possible resources possible, you know, and they obviously it's great that they take, uh, uh, they have that emotional investment to, you know, want to hop on the call in the first place and be able to discuss areas of improvement for the kid. Um, it's, you know, a lot of the times we're all working with limited information. So I think that the more we can just, I, excuse me, the more that I could, um, intake information from all different perspectives and again, just try to, you know, formulate my own opinion of things and obviously just be able to relay it to, both player and parent um, to really just make sure that we're all on the same page. I think that that is where we've seen the best results.
0: Yeah. And I, I have a similar experience, right? If everybody's on the same page and you're communicating and you're be able to be open and honest and set expectations that are reasonable, then, you know, you're probably going to see that development. And it also requires consistency, right? Like consistency in, the effort, right, of showing up and doing the work and then doing what you're asking them to do outside of sessions and staying with it. So like, I would imagine that a lot of the clients who come to you like are really highly self-motivated so you don't maybe have this issue as much but like, do you have the issue of like having clients who kind of come and go or they you don't see them as much or like, what's that look like? Or do you have clients who are just so dedicated to what they're doing that they're always there and they're always on time and they're always putting in the work?
1: Oh, not for sure i you know there are definitely a ton of players that I work with who are not you know as on top of it as maybe I would like um or at mm-hmm. least in a way that would you know yield the best results um I think that it's it's also just understanding too I think that I've had to take a step back as somebody who's um you know just a madman when it came to like working out and you know <laughs> just really kind of being on top of it and you know just always looking for any possible advantage. Um, I think it's also important to understand that not everybody really wants that. Um, mm-hmm. and also just not everybody really understands what real work looks like. I think that, you know, the, the image of just hustle culture, um, hard work, hard work and all that type of stuff. Um, but you know, there are so many different facets of development that players overlook. And, you know, that's where I just try to be as much of a, not that I have all the answers, obviously, but that's where I try to be as much of a centralizing voice as possible To help them understand like hey like here are things that you need to do and whether they're me or whether they're with somebody else like you're you're still gonna have to get done and you know these are the things that are gonna help you the most with your development and you know it's up to you whether you you know decide to utilize them or not Um, i'm here as a resource but at the end of the day i can't obviously put in the work for you so just helping players understand that and really kind of helping them understand um what it takes to really get to the goals Obviously, when they're in the gym with me, you know, they're being pushed um, mentally, physically, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. But at the end of the day, like I said, I can't put in the work for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because that's a subject that kind of goes back to what you had brought up before about controlling what you can control. Right. And one of the things that comes up quite a bit or at least from time to time with my athletes is like you can put in all the work. Right. You can be doing everything that you can reasonably be doing within you know the 168 hours you have in a week you know you're you're doing the most you can but eventually we're all limited by genetics right we're limited by the god given ability that we're given our parents are not tall they're not athletic you know we can really work hard but for most of us there's some sort of athletic ceiling right or there's some level of reasonable expectations like hey you're not going to be a high division 1 player maybe you're going to be a high division 3 player because you you're not six, five and you can't, you know, you can't dunk and you can't do these things. You don't want to take away people's motivation and desire and dream to go get it. Right. Cause you, you, anything is possible, but at the same time, you've got to set reasonable expectations. And that's something that comes up a lot in my work. I mean, is that something you're talking to them about too, just in terms of like, Hey, I know you want this, but like, this is going to be really hard because of these reasons.
1: Yeah, I think it's, more, I, I usually let the players come to me with that. Um, you know, if I just kind of come out the blue and I'm saying, hey, like, you know, here are your limitations and things like that. Um, it's it's a tough conversation to have, obviously necessary. But um, I try to more so focus, again, going back to the controllables and what players can control and just, you know, help them develop the perspective that, um, you know, what whatever the results may be, like as long as you're focusing on the process, like you're giving yourself mm-hmm. the best chance at success. With you know, by focusing on the process, so um, either way, you're you know you're better off just trying to focus on what you can actually control. Um, but yeah, those conversations are definitely tough, and but they're definitely necessary. And I've had them before. Um, you know, trying not to obviously put limitations on yes. players, like you said, obviously um anything is possible but at the same time help them understand like hey like from what i see you know you're likely going to be you're probably more so in this range um obviously nothing wrong especially when you're talking about like a a post high school career there's absolutely nothing wrong but you know playing at a for example d3 compared to like a d1 like at the end of the day you're still part of the three four percent that's actually Mm continue to play basketball um at a high level post high school so yeah, I think, you know, it's just trying to be as honest as possible.
0: Yeah. How do you find that your clients receive the focus on the process or focus on, you know, process over results and focus on controlling the controllables? Like, do you find that that's something that resonates with them? Or do you find like it's something you're continuously kind of drilling into them because it is hard for them to kind of see things that way at their age?
1: yeah i think that even the ones who interpret that message the best and buy in you know the most like that's still something that you have to continuously repeat to them um Mm -hmm. you're you're working against so many different conflicting messages um you're working against so many conflicting yeah from different people like there's they're getting so much information and especially Mm -hmm. basketball uh probably more than ever and just you know society in general i think that one players obviously are expecting results, you know, sooner. We're in that yeah. microwave generation, um, and I fall prey to that too. But yeah, I think that just. Um, I- I'm sorry, I-, I lost my train of thought. Would you mind? Repeating okay.
0: No, no. Just, I mean, just just in terms of them absorbing process over outcome.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I. You have to repeat it as much as possible. They're they're getting so much different information from so many different places that you know um, it might sound great, you know at the end of a workout and they might feel pumped up and everything like that. But, uh, you know, 20 minutes later through scrolling, through talking to friends, coaches, teammates, parents, you know, so on and so forth, you know, uh, these messages get lost on fold very quickly. So it's just something that you have to continue to reiterate, um, until they get the point.
0: Yeah. And I agree. And that's my experience as well. And I think one of the conversations I have often nowadays with, you know, with my clients is that, you know, somebody like you or like me is focused on their individual development, meaning are they getting better, right? Not relative to other people, but relative to themselves, right? If they're progressing and developing as, as players and, and human beings, like I think we're doing our job now when you show up at practice, right? Your coach, even if he's a high school coach, right? Like he's being judged at some level on, on results, right? And wins and losses, right? So that message from us as coaches can be conflicting because it's like, well, yeah, I'm doing really well in training or I'm really having good conversations with Mike, but when I go to practice or when I go play in the game, I'm not getting minutes because I'm not doing what the coach wants me to do. And that's not in their control, but that's what they really sort of lean on. So I guess the question is, is like, from your perspective, like, how do you kind of interact or Do you interact with coaches and how do you sort of manage the difference in what your role is relative to what, you know, a team coach might be doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, as much as possible, um, at least when it makes sense to, I try to, you know, get in contact with the coaches, especially if it's a player that I'm working with who I know is going to have a pretty big role with the team. Um, Just trying to get as much clarity as possible, um, especially in that intake process. Um, that's, That's a big part of it. But, you know, a lot of that is also just kind of, um, especially if I can't get in contact with the coach, then a lot of that is also just communication with the kid and with mm-hmm. the player and just understanding, um, what their perspective is on things at least. Um, and obviously whenever I get a chance to check them out, um, in live action, that also helps out. But yeah, I mean, I, am never going to be out here giving conflicting messages with the the coach. Again, I think that, that more than anything is going to hurt the kid. Um, you know, telling him to do one thing or her do one thing mm-hmm. and, coach is telling them to do a completely different thing so just uh you know as much as we can kind of give a, a central message um and at the end of the day i'm not the one dictating playing time and things like mm-hmm. that so just trying to again get back to the you know whatever controllables there because there are definitely uh more controllables that i think players you know think that they can actually that they have um you know just helping them identify the controllables um within the game that at least within their role and just you know go be a superstar in your role
0: okay All right. So, so you, I mean, we we actually met at a game, right? So, so I know when I go to a game, I'm looking for certain things and I'm a mental coach. So what I'm looking at isn't necessarily what you're looking at, you know, but I'm curious, like when you're observing a client, like what are some of the things that, that you are, that you're looking for?
1: Yeah. I try to just take everything in, um, like, I, I would say the biggest aspect of that would just be you know where they're out on the court. Um, obviously, this is assuming that the player is getting a decent amount of playing time, mm-hmm. uh, has a, a you know good role, a, a larger role with the team. Um, but yeah, it does it does differentiate uh, between player to player. But biggest thing is just you know identifying the role and just getting a better understanding of where that player is at um, more. In, more often than not and then just being able to identify what opportunities um they have to be able to expand upon the role that they're um in right now what opportunities they have or what weaknesses i should say are that they're kind of running into or certain issues that you know trends of issues that they're running into um and then players who just who may be struggling mentally who I kind of already know ahead of time just through our workouts just trying to get a gauge for how they're handling adversity and how they're moving on to the next play and things like that just things that uh, I'll you know continue to reiterate and you know have some context to throw along with that
0: yeah. I, I, and that, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, that you just said that I'm looking for, right? Like, how are they reacting, right? What's their face facial expression look like? What's their body language look like? What's the effort level? Are they communicating? Are they keeping to themselves, right? Like, how are they responding to things? I think that that's really important because I think one of the things I talk to a lot of the athletes that I work with about is the idea that you know, some of them have been playing their sport for over 10 years, right? They've been playing since they're little. And so like at this point they know, right. They're trying to hone their craft and get better, but by and large, they know how to shoot a basketball. They know how to dribble a basketball, right? They, they know where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there. And a lot of times it's not the the physical skills or the ability, it's the mind that's really getting in the way from them reaching their full potential. So from like a mental perspective, when you're in those sessions, like Like, what are some of the biggest challenges mentally you're seeing with your clients when you're working out with them?
1: Uh, Failing to meet expectations and, you know, beating themselves up on that. Or I should say, yeah, and those expectations, obviously just being completely arbitrary. Um, I think that it serves as a benefit at times, but it just has to be used um, in the right context. Like, obviously you want to challenge yourself to make as many shots as possible, to be as perfect as possible in workouts, but um, it's also helping them understand, you know. The point of this, like these sessions, is to continue to build up your game, and we can't do that unless you know we come across failures and we figure out how to overcome those failures. And a lot of times with the failures, it really is just more exposure, more reps, um, and more tolerance to being okay with failing. And I think that um, I always say that you know with every rep that we're taking, you know, phys- or every rep that we're going through physically, it's also it also serves um, as a mental rep. Like that's an opportunity to value your decision making that's an opportunity to especially if you miss a shot or something or just you know fail in some capacity uh that's an opportunity to be able to overcome adversity and be able to you know refocus yourself mm-hmm. so um yeah i think that you know just being able to help players understand and mitigate expectations especially in you know, a workout um that's at least you know the more motivated ones you know that's the uh, the biggest hurdle that i've had to, to tackle
0: i love that No, no, it's, I think that's fantastic that that's the approach because I, obviously I couldn't agree with you more that, Hey, like you're using those opportunities to reflect, take what you want out of it to, to get better and then leave, leave the bad feelings behind. Right. It's not going to help you get better. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I guess I want to focus on the high school player a little bit, you know, here because, one of the things that we talk a lot about on the podcast is just that that development through high school and then ultimately you know what it looks like to get on to play in college whatever your sport is so like like for your high school players right like the ones that have sort of the goal of of playing in college like are there things that you find that you're working on more regularly than others or more consistently than others or is it just one of those things that varies player player to player
1: yeah i would say it definitely varies player to player. Mm-hmm. Um, there's such a wide range where you might have a freshman coming in and, you know, if they've hardly ever touched the basketball, you have to like really kind of build them from the ground up. And then you might have a freshman who's, you know, the fifth ranked player in the country, you know, whatever that means. And uh, it's right. <laughs> higher level. Um, I would say that in general, just, you know, given most high school players, um, a lot, most, you know, vast majority of them, um, you know, trying to help them be able to become de- better decision makers uh, help them be able to understand how they can control the game um, and impact the game in different uh, areas, aside from just scoring or whatever they're most comfortable in. Um, you know, just trying to help them round out and maximize their current skill set. Obviously, there are a lot of players where we just have to build up a foundational skill set. But to your point, you know, a lot of these players, especially skill development being, um, you know, taking a huge leap in popularity over the last, you know, 10 to 20 years, um, mm-hmm. you know. Players are coming in, and they're more skilled than ever, especially at a younger age. Um, so, yes. you know, the biggest thing is just being able to help them maximize those skills um, and help put them in situations where they can understand how to really utilize the skills that they already have, that they very work to build, um, whether it be from an IQ standpoint um, or you know, mental standpoint, just in terms of you know, being able to stay present during games.
0: Yeah. So, do you? How much, if if at all, does do you kind of touch? the recruiting process or do you kind of have influence over that or are you sort of separate and apart from that?
1: Yeah, I try to separate myself from that just because, um, yeah. you know, I, I personally don't want to have too much say so in that. Um, mm-hmm. I'll help guide players however uh, they need to be guided and, you know, try to point them in the right direction. But I'm certainly not going to be like, hey, go to this school, that school. Um, you know, with the connections that I have, I may be able to reach out to a coaching staff and, you know, give my input on a, a certain recruit that they may have, um, their eyes on, but for the most part, I try to be fairly hands off with that.
0: Okay. And I know, I know that you work with some higher level players, like college and professional, right. We talked you mentioned that early on. So like, what's, what's that look like when you get a higher level athlete, who's obviously at the highest sort of, you know. The highest up on the food chain, like what is training look like for them? Is it different?
1: Yeah, I think that, that also is a um, a broad range as well. I will say that a lot of the higher level players, um, especially college, you go, you know, talking about like power five conferences, NBA and all that good stuff. Like mm-hmm. there are a ton of people who, who kind of have a voice in their head. And, you know, they also have just a ton of other obligations, um, ton of other things that they kind of, have going on. So I typically don't have as much time with them um, to really kind of be able to make as much of mm. a impression or input or whatever um, on their development. So a lot of it is just trying to keep it as foundational as possible. Just again, meeting them where they're at and helping them uh, just kind of round out the two or 3%, you know, that they really need to, to improve on that I think will make the biggest impact. Um, and, you know, just kind of leave it to them from there.
0: Okay. So it's a few more questions here before we wrap up. I, I, this this question kind of sticks out in my head and it's maybe it's going to be a little bit broad, but like, what would you say the impact of social media is on the work that you do?
1: It's huge. Um, obviously, you know, that's a big part of um, my marketing efforts. Uh, mm-hmm. Something that I probably don't put as much, nearly as much time into nowadays, but uh, you know, it's definitely something that especially in today's world, right. You know, it's a, it's definitely a necessity. It's not the end all be all by any means. I think that, you know, a lot of trainers probably put a little bit too much focus into that rather than just the uh, one, the quality of work that they're actually putting on the court and to just, you know, what it takes to actually run a sustainable business. But, you know, I can't say here, sit here and say that, you know, social media is an an integral part of any service-based business. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, we wouldn't be having a podcast here if that wasn't the truth. I I, I guess I'm curious from the flip side of that, like, how do you think social media impacts your clients? Meaning like when you're coaching them, like the things that you're teaching them, like, are you trying to counterbalance or counteract things that they're seeing or hearing on social media that maybe they're coming to you with, oh, I saw this on Instagram or TikTok. Like, I want to do this. Like, how does that like come up or, or does it at all? Is it not a thing?
1: yeah i think that especially uh earlier on you 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 run into players or i've run into players who have these expectations of one you know oh i saw this cool move on social media can we work on that but two just in general just uh there's a big big just uh bridge between or a big gap between what i believe skill development really is and what players probably perceive it to be through social media. Um, They only get a very, very small snippet of it. Um, Obviously, players want to be able to jump steps to really kind of get to, you know, the coolest of flashy stuff. Um, But just, you know, really trying to be as bare bones as possible with it. Um, You know, trying to help them get an understanding of what their development process um, that's unique to them will look like uh, as early as possible through that intake process, through that assessment process, process, and uh, just Helping them kind of understand at the end of the day, like, hey, like this is your goal. Um, you know, this is what you want to achieve and you know, what you feel will get you there may not be the best route. And you know, helping them understand that. And I think that once you do kind of shift that perspective for them, um, the buy-in is usually there for the ones who are, you know, fairly motivated at least.
0: Okay. So, so that, that leads me to a follow up, right? Cause buy-in was the phrase that sort of popped into my head when you were giving your answer. Right. And I, I'm in the same boat. Like when I start working with an athlete, they've got to buy in. And sometimes I don't buy in right away. It takes a little bit of time to develop the trust to say, Hey, this, this guy really has my best interest at heart. So like, like how do I ask the question? Cause I'm sure there's different, um, there's different, you know, experiences that you have, but like in terms of getting by in as quickly as possible, like how do you do that? Or like, what are you focused on to get the trust of your athlete so that they get as much out of what you're saying to them from day one?
1: Yeah. I'm in a fortunate position, um, where I ha I you know have a, you know, fairly decent resume behind me of players that I've worked with players that I've helped. And, you know, that definitely uh, serves as a boost for sure. my credibility um but at the end of the day i think it's just showing players that you care you know if i am taking an hour out of my day to sit down with a player and parent and really kind of you know get as much information out of them as possible and really kind of get a gauge for where i can help them at what areas of uh, need they have and you know just ultimately just asking questions that they've probably never been asked by any other basketball professional um i think that's a, a big start um, and just showing and just showing players that you know you're in this to help them, and I think that once they can see that, and once they have that, um, you know, they can, you know, they believe that, then you know, it's a lot easier from there. But, um, yeah, I think that just showing that you care is, you know, the biggest and most important stuff.
0: It's a great answer, and I and I absolutely 100% agree with you. I think it goes a long way. Right? Sometimes it's not how smart we are, or yeah. you know, how much we know about. A game or what we're doing it's more about hey do i really care about you so that like i feel like you really believe in me and that you're really like invested in my success because if you give them that then like they're probably going to run through a wall for you and do what you ask them to do and that's going to lead to their development right wherever it takes them for sure. um you know we don't, we don't...
1: Also, go ahead
0: go, no you go please
1: no i was saying the old adage is you know it's a cliche for a reason but you know players don't care how much you know till they know how much mm-hmm. you care Right. And, you know, once you have that established and, uh, you know, they truly understand that you're there for them and you're, you know, you're also like reminding them of their goals and like help them kind of consistently have that perspective. Cause again, like, you know, they're, you know, you're dealing with teenagers and humans in general, like they're, the minds are all, all over the place, but if you can just continue to reel them back in, it's like, Hey, you said you wanted this, um, but you're not showing this right now. Yeah. And until you start doing these things that are going to help you get to the place you want to be, then you know, you're just going to continue to, you know, if you continue to do what you're doing, you're going to continue to get what you're getting. And if you're not content with that, then, you now it's time to switch things up.
0: Yep. Very well said. So la- last question. So, and I asked this question to everybody and it has a little different spin on it depending on who I'm talking to. But the question is, is, What's one piece of advice you'd give to a, a, a young basketball player? Maybe it's a high school basketball player who wants to get to the next level. Like, what's the one thing that you would share with them that you think is the most important piece of advice that you could?
1: You have to take on the identity of the person that you want to be and or of you, have. To, excuse me, you have to take on the identity of the person who, ha- who would be capable of achieving the goals that you want. So until you, if you, your goal is to be, you know, a division one player, for example, cliche one, until you're willing to do the things that, you know, a division one player is willing to do until you're willing to work out two or three times a day, two, three, four times a day, um, you know, doing all the recovery stuff, uh, the mental work, obviously working on your body, um, being coachable and being aware of your deficiencies and not running from them. Um, but running to attack them until you're willing to do all of those things um, and be as humble as possible about it. Um, Now it's, you're fighting an uphill battle and there are certainly, you know, dozens and dozens of, you know, hundreds of cases of players who were just, who just get their base off of talent. But, um, you know, unless you're six foot nine with a 40 inch vertical, you know, you're, you know, your best chances are just continuing to do the things that, are needed to get to where you want to be and if you kind of take on that identity and you know understand that you now whether you feel like doing things or not it really doesn't matter it's just like okay like this is what these are the things that the type of person who has these results would be doing and you're just like all right like doesn't matter if i feel like doing them or not i'm just gonna i'm just, just doing them and you know it's not a thing of oh i'm gonna post on social and show how hard I'm working or, you know, to brag about it and whatnot. It's just like, Hey, I, this is just what I do. This is my identity. And this is, um, you know, part of my core belief system and um, every high level player that I work with, you know, has taken that on. And, you know, I you know it's just, it's just another day for them. And I think that when younger players are able to adopt that mindset um, again, it just it further helps them with their chances of getting to where they want to be.
0: That's a great answer. David, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. It was great to talk to you some more in detail. And uh, I wish you the best of luck with uh, everything you're doing.
1: No, I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me.
0: Thanks so much. So what was your biggest takeaway from my conversation with David Lamb? My biggest takeaway is how hard it can be for young athletes to get out of their own way sometimes. They often set high expectations for themselves that can be hard to meet. It's our job as coaches to help them focus on the controllable elements of their development and help them to strive to be a superstar in whatever role they find themselves in. I want to thank David for sharing his story on this episode. You can learn more about David on Instagram at DLAM training. To learn how mental performance coaching can help you be ready for your next step in the game of life, visit michaelvhuber.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back soon for episode 73. Mike Huber is the founder and owner of Follow the Ball Coaching, located in Fairhaven, New Jersey. He is a mental performance coach and business advisor dedicated to serving athletes just like you reach their full potential on and off the court. The Freshman Foundation is all about helping you get to the next level. For more information, follow along on Instagram, at the Freshman Foundation. Please, subscribe. Give us a like on iTunes, Spotify, leave a review, tell a friend. Most importantly, come back in two weeks ready to get better.